0: Hi everyone, my name is Mare Verk, and welcome to Life on the Farm. Welcome back everyone. Here we are yet again for another week at Life on the Farm. I'm excited to announce it appears I survived my first week back in the real world, so cheers to that. This episode is coming to you after my first week. It's actually the start of now my second week of my hospital operations rotation. And with the first week in any new position, there are a lot of introductions and names to be remembered. And this week was no different. So this whole concept was actually the inspiration behind today's episode title that reads, Hi, I'm Mare, the student pharmacist. Exactly like that, 15 to 20 times a day, whether it be me taking the initiative to introduce myself or someone asking me if I'm new here or if I work here or what I'm doing there. But honestly, not mad about it in the slightest because it means I'm in a new place, meeting new people, learning new things, and I find that to be pretty exciting. So this actually serves as a perfect segue into explaining what setting I will be in for this rotation, where I've been for the past week, and how I fit into the mix. So for this hospital operations rotation, I'm in the inpatient pharmacy, which is located within the hospital itself and handles all of the medications needed everywhere and anywhere in the hospital. So from medication trays to Pixis machines to operating room carts to IV bags, basically anything an admitted patient has orders for or that the team needs on the floor, the inpatient pharmacy is the one who not only fills that order, but also has it delivered there. So anything that requires medications within the hospital is within the purview of the inpatient pharmacy. And this differs from the outpatient pharmacy that many of you may be more familiar with, where patients are able to request the refills pick up their home meds because the outpatient pharmacy doesn't service the patients while they're admitted in the hospital. So just a little bit of context, just so we're all on the same page, and maybe you can paint a picture in your head of what that looks like. So this hospital operations rotation is one of our core four required rotations, and I wasn't 100% sure what all it would entail, but I'm really glad that I'm getting this experience now, especially since I've never worked in this setting before. I've worked in retail, I've worked in medical office buildings, I've worked within the hospital itself, but I've never worked in the inpatient pharmacy physically. And this is really great because further down the line, when I do end up being a pharmacist and if I choose to work in a hospital, it's important to not understand, not only understand the roles and responsibilities of the pharmacists themselves, but also what the pharmacy technicians do since you're overlooking what they're doing. And if you've ever worked in a pharmacy before, you know, pharmacy technicians are your best friends. I mean, granted you wanna try to be friends with everyone if possible, but truly the pharmacy techs knows the in and outs of the pharmacy. And so it's really great if you are able to. To learn from them, um, they love answering que- or I don't know if they love it, but when I ask them questions, they're very kind to me about answering them. So th- this is no different in the hospital I'm currently at, and I'm so grateful that these first two weeks, about a week and a half of that time, I've been spending with the technicians, or I will be, and just getting to see what they do, because without doing that, I wouldn't know, and here it is, how the hospital operates. And thus the rotation is aptly named hospital operations. Quite clever if you ask me. So. Without further ado, let's go ahead and get to the specifics of each of my days this week. We'll go ahead and start with my first day, of course, and that was on Monday, June 29th. I was working from 800 to Sixteen thirty, 30 and so just a little pro tip if you're not super familiar with military time i changed my phone and basically all of my electronic devices to military time after p1 year because i was taking way too long to figure out what time that was and i just wanted to be more familiar with it and the hospital runs on military time so that's how i do it i'll refer to it on here is just to give everyone a little bit more practice But I woke up uh, around six o'clock and, you know, did the whole nine yards, dress good, feel good, do good. And I was supposed to meet my preceptor at eight o'clock. So I got there about 15 minutes early and kind of just sat in my car for 10 minutes. And then when there was about five minutes till eight, I got out of my car. I had a mask with me. I was wearing it and I walked uh, to the front door and I was going to meet my preceptor in the lobby. She was there. But at the front door, you're met with a COVID screening, which is great. So they ask you if you've had any signs or symptoms within the last two days, to which I answered no, or if I've been exposed to anybody with known COVID, which the answer is also no. And in that case, they gave me a new mask, one of those lighter blue ones. And so I switched those out and they also give you a sticker of the day. So there's always a new sticker, different patterns, designs, colors and whatnot. And I was able to take that and place it on my badge that my preceptor had. So if you ever saw my badge from this institution, the picture looks oddly good, not to like hype myself up. But it was only because I didn't have to take the picture in person. I actually was asked to send in a photo. So I was able to pick a good one, or at least what I thought was a good one. And yeah, so that was really great just being able to take care of that and have a decent photo, in my opinion. You just stick the sticker on there and you carry on with your day. But since I was meeting my preceptor for the first time, it was really exciting. She and I get along really well. So that's been great. It makes the experience that much better. And so she walked me straight to the pharmacy We sat in the back office where she actually handed me all of my orientation materials. So we had about an hour long orientation just so that I had all of the important paperwork I needed, Uh, went over important information just because, you know, getting into a new hospital is quite an ordeal. And so it's great to just have a moment to sit down and kind of talk through how things work. And even more importantly, on a new rotation, kind of what the expectations are, what your objectives are, and then just general information. So I actually had two folders handed to me. So there was a purple one, as well as a blue one. So in the purple one, I had my schedule, and that's really great because it gives me a picture of what I'm going to do every day, so I don't have to like ask or anything. And my days are very different from one another, and I saw that on my schedule, every single day I am with somebody new. So I'm actually not working with my preceptor the whole time, which is kind of great because I get the opportunity to meet a lot more people and to learn from people who have maybe different teaching methods, but I thought that was a really cool aspect of this rotation. At the same time, when I'm with different people, they're also working different shifts. So each shift corresponds to a certain letter and then that has its own specific duties. So it's also given... a packet that has all of the letters and all of their responsibilities and what I do is every night before I go in I look at what shift I will be the next day and then I read up on what those responsibilities are just so I have a better idea of what I'll be doing and all of these shifts of course are happening at different times so it's also good to know what time I'll be going in because that changes on a daily basis as well. I received all my logins and my passwords. I got a campus map just so I don't get lost. And there was also the dress code that we went over. Basically, just don't wear denim. Um, So if you were planning on dressing like Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake from like the 2001, I think it was like the American, what was it? The American Music Awards, I'm pretty sure. You unfortunately can't wear it to the hospital, which is sad. But, you know, hopefully you find another time to rock that outfit. Basically, I also just got my preceptor's contact information. And so we established right off the bat that texting would work for us. And so I thought that was really important because we've had plenty of reasons to text over the last couple of days, especially because I don't work with her every day, like I mentioned. So this is just a really easy and convenient way for her and I to stay in touch. And now I don't have to like guess, like, should I call her? Should I email her? I know that texting is the method of communication that works best for her. I also received a contact list with all the phone numbers for all the different departments, but those are also taped all over the pharmacy, which is really helpful. Now we're on to the second folder. So this is the blue folder and it contains all the protocols my preceptor thought would be important for me to go over. So I've been reading through them slowly, but surely they're quite thick, um, but it's been great reading material and learning material because this is not something that we really go over in school per se, and it also changes From institution to institution. So it's great just being able to get my bearings, not only in the physical sense, but also in the learning sense. So there's the therapeutic interchange based on the hospital's formulary. So in the situation that a Physician orders a drug for a certain dosing or strength that the pharmacy doesn't carry. What is it going to be substituted for instead that is on the hospital's formulary? There's also IV to oral conversion protocol, renal dose adjustments, medication safety, vancomycin and aminoglycoside dosing, warfarin protocol, um, discontinuation of oral hypoglycemic medications upon admission for patients to then be put on insulin instead stress ulcer, prophylaxis, and what the protocol is surrounding ordering required labs for medications. So a lot of medications require therapeutic drug monitoring. And so how do pharmacists go about getting those labs drawn so that when the patient does receive the medication, it's dispensed properly. So really great just having all of this information just right off the bat, getting really familiar with what's going on. I was also asked to say what the mission and the values were. If you listened to the last episode, I told you I was asked to prepare that. And so I wasn't sure if I was going to have to recite it. And lo and behold, I was. I was asked to repeat it verbatim. And so I'm really glad that I memorized it. And they also asked me to interview questions. So that was a really interesting experience. Um, I'll never shy away from the opportunity to practice interview questions and like, being able to build upon that skill. So I thought that was a really great opportunity. It went well, so really happy to report that. But at the same time, a tip I wanted to point out is that throughout the orientation process, if there are ever acronyms or abbreviations or things that you just don't understand in general, always ask because once you go through that whole orientation and if you don't ask any questions it's assumed that you know where things are and what things mean and so it's just best if while you're going through it you are able to get those questions answered and it also shows that you're paying attention which you should be regardless but still uh, I found that to be really helpful and also at the end I didn't have this long list of questions being like what was that and what was that so if you can just do it throughout I think it will prove to be beneficial After that, we realized that my badge really didn't actually scan to get in and anything. So I needed to go to HR. And so we took a pseudo tour of the hospital to get there. And I was able to get all the access, which is amazing. And so being in the inpatient pharmacy, you get access to anywhere there are medications. So that's been a really cool experience just to see where meds are and just like how much access you can get. And then we also did a walkthrough of EPIC. So EPIC is the electronic medical record that's used at this institution and I think by a lot of institutions. And basically what my preceptor asked me was to walk her through how I'd work up a patient. And so I went through all the different tabs and things like that, the 72-hour summary, if you're familiar, and then results review and uh, medications from home or then the MAR for what they're taking in the hospital. So basically just walking through kind of where I start to look, my thought process and things like that. And we just use a sample patient and we actually ended up starting to talk about TPNs in general. And so she gave me the protocol for that as well. So that is another packet that is a part of that blue folder I now have. And I read it during my first break. That way I like knew what was going on because we were talking about what you do to make adjustments to TPN. How do you Uh, take into account lab values and things like that. TPN is one of those things, total uh, parenteral nutrition, Uh, just to give the definition of it. It's when you, when patients are receiving their nutrition through a vein instead of through the GI system. So they're not getting it to their stomach, small intestine, so on and so forth. It's through a vein completely. So we were just talking about how you make adjustments to that because we don't really go too, too in depth in pharmacy school itself, but this is something that's definitely happening in the pharmacy and that pharmacists are in charge of. So it was great just being able to have those conversations of what adjustments do we need to make and what will be beneficial for the patient in the long run. From there, I continue trying in my logins for different things. So like my email, um, just all of these different, like the training, internal trainings, things like that. Nothing too, too crazy there. And then I also got to try my login for Pixis. So for those of you who may or may not be familiar, Pixis is the machine, it kind of looks like a filing cabinet in my opinion, that exists in all of the medication rooms in all of the different departments of the hospital. And so it's this machine where you log in and you're able to load loads of medications that are being used by patients currently admitted or that the team on the floor may need at some point. And this is also where you can bring all of the stat or immediate deliveries or patient specific deliveries. So it's this really cool process. Um, It's kind of fun and therapeutic in my opinion to kind of pack them in, I really like doing it. Basically the way it works is you scan the drug and if you're putting it in a pocket that already has something in it, actually wait, back up one step, it pops out first of all, so it tells you already where to go like visually, which is really fun. But if you're going to go ahead and replace something that's already in there with a new drug, it'll ask you to count how many you're taking out, count how many you're putting in, and then you need to update the expiration date. So that's really important. Or if you're adding more to something, how many you're starting with, how many you're adding, and then what's the updated expiration date for that. So it's just been really cool um, getting that hands-on experience. Again, something I'm not super familiar with, but obviously very prevalent in the hospital settings, so happy to have that chance to do it on my own then we came back there's lunch and like breaks in here throughout I'm just like blanking on when they are and all that but I was also given the sterilized protocol so compounding sterilized products there was this packet of information that my preceptor wanted me to read through because Tuesday, the next day, I would be in the IV room. So I was given that information as well as a quiz to finish. And so I was to finish that by Friday. But luckily, I was able to finish it after my shift the next day because I was working with the IV tech. And so we were able to talk through a lot of it. Um, actually, just the questions that I had, because for the most part, all the information was in the reading, which is great. And then again for the rest of Monday basically I sat through interviews so my preceptor handles hiring and things like that so again this is hospital operations so hiring personnel and all of that falls within that job description and so there were interviews for the IV room pharmacist as well as a clinical pharmacist position and this was really great just hearing what kind of questions are asked um thought processes that certain interviewees went through and how they approach situations. And I actually asked my uh, preceptor, who's a pharmacist, to go through the clinical questions with me just to see if I knew the answers and if my thought process was along the right lines. And so that was really great. Uh she was more than happy to go through it with me. So I highly recommend if you have the opportunity to learn to take it and run with it. And so I'm really glad I did because it brought up a lot of questions that she then wanted me to look up. So again being able to work on looking up information and coming back with like my recommendations or what I found. And so that's what I did during my second break. I was like, "Oh, I'm going to look this all up and whatever." I might be a little bit like high key with like trying to do stuff during my breaks take that time to like relax if you need to but i was just like i really want to know the answer anyway and so i was able to get back to her when i met up with her one more time and that basically took me to the end of the day i just had a few more internal trainings that i needed to take care of and then i was off at sixteen thirty. so four thirty. Really great first day, had a ball, loved it, obviously, can't wait to go back and well I did for four days and will continue for the next five weeks. But yeah, honestly, really great first day, had an amazing time, came home, I was absolutely exhausted because crazy but after doing like three months of like very minimal like heavy thinking and physical moving around and whatnot, whatever it may be. It takes a lot out of you to like really be focused and paying attention to be learning and grasping new information. So something that I'm definitely working on is trying to be less tired. And so I think it's already better after the first week, I have to say. So yeah, that night basically just went home. JoJo season of The Bachelorette was one of the goat seasons. And so that was on that night. And I tried to watch the entire thing because she's my favorite Bachelorette, but my eyes were so heavy and I kept like falling asleep. So I need to go back and watch it. Um, but I also couldn't stay up super, super late Monday night because I was actually on shift at 6 a.m. the next day. We have now made it to Tuesday. It is day two. It's June 30th, and like I mentioned before, my shift was from 600 to 1430, so that's 2.30 p.m., and I was on the C shift, C as in cat, with the technicians, and this meant I was in the IV room, so it's a good thing I read all that paperwork the day before, But I woke up at like 4.50, super frazzled because I have not woken up that early in, I wanna say like even pre-quarantine, like a very long time. But it was all good, ate some breakfast. And since I was going to be in the IV room, I was going to have to change into scrubs at work anyway. So I actually wore workout clothes because they're super easy to change out of. And so I needed to make sure I was there a little bit before six so that I was ready to go. Um, And so once you get there, there's a huge cart that has all of their scrubs on it. And you have to wear those specific scrubs in this case, especially because when you're in the IV room, they have a special laundry detergent that they use on their scrubs. And the linen is like a low lint type of situation. And when you're in the IV room, you want to make sure that you have as few particles introduced into the environment as possible. So it's this whole thing, but it's cool. I got to wear scrubs for the first time in the hospital on the second day. Love that. So once I got there, I changed. Other things to have to take into consideration knowing I was going to be in the IV room that day was you have to keep it as sterile as possible. So there's no jewelry allowed. So I took out all my rings, earrings, whatnot. Um, No makeup. You can't wear any makeup. you can't do your eyebrows and whatnot. Uh, No watches. So no Apple watches, nothing like that. Your fingernails have to be less than a quarter of an inch and you also can't have any gel or uh, polish. So thanks to quarantine, didn't even have that going for me. Um, but yeah, just make sure all of those things are taken care of. Of course, then you also have to be wearing the str- scrubs to go in. And then I just wear athletic shoes um, as well to round out the outfit. But basically, just to give a little bit, if you can paint this picture in your head, this will help. But maybe I'll do a terrible job at explaining, but I'll try and none- anyway. So basically, there's the inpatient pharmacy itself. Then there's another room that's like, encompasses both of the hazardous and the non-hazardous IV rooms. So basically when you walk from the inpatient pharmacy into the first room, that's where you have all of your materials, that's where you gown up, that's where you have all your dilutants and your medications and all these different things. And from that room, that's where you're able to enter from into either the hazardous room or to the non-hazardous room. So Once you walk from the inpatient pharmacy into that first room, there you are going to go ahead and get a scrub cap. So you need to make sure that your hair is tucked away, uh, If you have any like facial hair or anything, there's an additional one that goes around your chin or whatever. There's also the face mask. And so although we were already wearing them because we're in the hospital, we switched them out for new sterile ones. And then from there, you also have to put on shoe booties. And so they have this really cool gadget. Uh, I think it's called the booty buddy. I don't know, something like that. Maybe I just made that name up because it sounds fun. But basically, you just stick the front of your foot in and then you place your heel down and pull back and it boots you up all on its own real great stuff and from there you once you put on one booty you have to step over the line of demarcation it's basically this red line painted on the ground and then you put on the other shoe and you step over again and once you've done that you go ahead and you do the whole Gray's anatomy washing your hands scene it's like really fun and great and you feel really important for a couple of seconds so you have to wash your hands as well as your arms all the way up to your elbows with this fun hibiscus smelling soap so that was fun I, like for the first like two times. And then when I did it like five or six times, I was like, huh, it's kind of wearing off, but that's okay. So after that, you go ahead and put on your gown. And from there, you use one more hand sanitizer because you cannot use too much sanitation in these rooms. And then from there, you pick up your gloves and they're pre-packaged and you go ahead and there's this whole technique on how to go ahead and put your gloves on without touching Having the outside of the gloves ever touch the inside and your hand to never touch the outside. It's wild. I don't think I do a very good job of explaining it here. You probably just have to watch a video or something about it. But honestly, such a great learning experience because... I've mentioned before, maybe I'm actually not sure, but I've done non-sterile compounding and that's compliant with USP 795, if you ever want to look it up, but I've never done sterile compounding before. And so the non-hazardous sterile compounding is compliant with USP 797 and the hazardous compounding, which includes chemotherapy, is compliant with USP 800. So just a little bit of trivia knowledge, if you were curious. But the thing about the hazardous room is you actually have additional gowning requirements. So you have to put on a second set of gloves, a second set of booties, as well as a chemo gown. So that one's, wow, high key, but you know it, It makes sense because you're dealing with a lot of sensitive medications. But from that point, you go ahead and you can enter one or the other. So you have the non-hazardous room and the hazardous rooms, as I've explained. And something just to keep in mind is that there, when you enter the IV room in general, this big room, there's positive pressure. And as you travel further into the non-hazardous room, the pressure gets more and more positive. That way, the particles, any particles that get in are then sucked out because it's going toward the more negative areas. But something to keep in mind is that the hazardous room is actually negatively pressured. So that has a little bit of its own tweaks and whatnot, but it's very, very secure. But I only mention that because um, in general, something to keep in mind with sterile compounding is we're trying to cut down as many particles entering the rooms as possible, because it is sterile, isn't that crazy? Um, And being a human being, you're already the biggest particle in the room. So if you can do anything possible to minimize that, you're going to be in good shape. So from there, I was in the non-hazardous room for most of the day shadowing the technician. So she just showed me how she takes an order, looks up a patient, um, what her whole thought process is, how she goes ahead and gets prepared to make the compound. And so for the most part, it's just medications being put into a mini bag so that the patient can be Um, given either continuous infusion, or um, if it's like over a certain period of time, then like by that flow rate, whatnot. So that was really great. I saw things like vitamin K being compounded as well as remdesivir, which is being used in COVID-19, as well as I'm trying to think, what are some other things that we went over? There was also banana bags in general, as well as, uh, yeah, just any medications that could be put into an IV drip or um, over a certain period of time, they make in the pharmacy, which I think is really cool because then you can basically make it on demand if it's needed. Uh, But yeah, that was the biggest takeaway. I did that for the majority of the day and every so often we have to come out to do other things. Uh, Not too often the IV room is basically run by one person and then take care of that. So it was fun to be able to not only see the process, but Little did I know that later on, I would be getting certified on my own. And so I'm glad that I had the opportunity to watch somebody and what their process looked like, especially like how they use their hands inside of the hood, what their step process is and whatnot. But yeah, basically that took the whole day doing all sorts of different ones. Those were, I what I listed were just a few um, examples of things that can be compounded. Um, but then it was my turn. So later in the day, I had the opportunity to do the same. And so I started by being completely Ungowned, not gowned. I didn't have anything on, and you have to start from the top of the process. So, walked in and scrubs, and then they go ahead and check you off that you know how to gown up properly. So, checked off on that. And then you also have to put your gloves back on, of course. And that's where you get your first auger plate test. And so, you have to touch all your fingertips. And then, after like 24 hours or 72 hours, they go ahead and check to see if you put on your gloves in a sterile manner. And I think on Friday, I found out that nothing had grown. So, doing good so far. And then from there, you go ahead, I actually did the hazardous room first. And so I went ahead, walked into the, well, first put two booties on. And then once I got inside, I put on the second set of gloves, and then I put on the chemo gown. So now I was ready to go. And from there, you go ahead and you wipe down the entire hood. And so the biggest difference between the hazardous and the non-hazardous room well in my opinion and from my experience is the way that the airflow is happening and where the vent is placed so in the hazardous room the room I was starting in for my own certification the vent is at the top so air is coming down and then in the non-hazardous room where I was shadowing for most of the day the vent is in front of you and so the airflow is horizontal and the thing you want to keep in mind with the different types of rooms and the airflow is that you're not getting between the Airflow and the opening of all of your different materials because then you are allowing for particles to circulate back in. It's crazy, you kind of have to watch a smoke test, which is the way that um, I'm not sure what the organization is that takes a look at it, but how they test that the pharmacy technicians are doing it the right way. You're able to watch this video where that shows that if you get between the vent and like the airflow and your materials, if you block it for too long, it'll circle back and that's how you reintroduce particles into the area. Super crazy, I'm probably just like dwelling on it too much but from there, I actually had my first um, practice to go through and so I needed alcohol swabs, a filter needle, 20 regular needles, a syringe, the ampule, the mini bag, as well as the broth vial. So all of these things were important because that is how I was going to prove that I could compound in a sterile environment. And so everything has to be wiped down with alcohol before it can go in the hood. Um, like I said, I wipe down the hood completely first. That also the way that you do that depends on where the airflow is coming from. So just things to keep in mind. It's a three-step process. And then, yeah, basically what happens is you take the alcohol swab, wipe each of the openings of all of the materials. So the neck of the ampule, as well as the one swipe on top of the vial, and then also the one swipe on the port of the mini bag. From there, you use aseptic technique. So I was able to open the syringe, only touching the outside barrel part. And then for the needle, I actually started with the one filter needle because in the case of an ampule, when you go ahead and break the neck to open it up, there is the possibility of small pieces of glass falling into the fluid. So you wanna make sure that you use a filter needle to eliminate pulling up as much of that glass as possible. And so use again, using aseptic technique, just peeled back the packaging on the needle and twisted it onto the syringe if you've given immunizations granted if you're in pharmacy school you have um, you definitely have the dexterity to do it unless you like struggle with it a little bit but it falls along the same lines no different really and from there you go ahead and pull up all of the fluid from the ampule and inject it into the vial and then from there you pull up one milliliter and you inject it into the mini bag you then recap your needle Uh, screw it off and place it to the side and then you do that 20 more times Two zero. you go ahead you pull up you okay back up one step you place the needle onto the syringe you pull up one milliliter and you inject it into the mini bag and you do that 20 times and then at the end you put your fingerprints on an auger plate again to see if you completed the whole process in a sterile manner so that was really crazy definitely took me a hot minute to get through that just to like figure out what exactly the steps in the process were? I know I made it sound very straightforward, but when you're sitting there and someone's like watching you and you're trying not to block the airflow and a million things are happening it's definitely a lot more to take into consideration but luckily second time around wasn't too bad which I'll talk about later because it happened on a different day but yeah, really great second day definitely the epitome of a hands-on experience and I learned a lot and obviously that's the whole point of the rotations but At that point, I was done. I was able to go home, and I would call that a pretty successful day. We are now going to move on to day three. It's Wednesday, July 1st. So crazy that we are over halfway done with 2020. My goodness. And I was on the F shift, so F as in fish, with the pharmacy technician. And this was from 930 to 1800. And this was basically a hodgepodge of things. The technician said it herself. You're basically just doing... Um, anything and everything that you can to help out, but also taking care of a certain few responsibilities that we do have. So when I showed up, the first thing that we did was we ran some of the stat meds or the immediate orders that were needed to the ICU. And so this hospital is really cool because they have brand new ICUs. So those are really fun to go check out because everything's like shiny and whatnot. But yeah, just getting more familiar with the hospital itself as well was great because every day I'd kind of make it a game like, oh, do I know which way I'm going? Because obviously the pharmacy technician knows, but I just wanted to check myself as well. And so you run stat meds to the departments and these meds are the ones that can't be tubed. So this pharmacy has a tube system um, or if they're hazardous, they need to be hand delivered as well. Once we were able to go ahead and do that, we came back and we helped fill oral syringes. So... All different floors need different types of oral syringes. Um, an example is like in an oncology, uh, patients can sometimes get mucositis, which is like oral sores from chemotherapy. And so there's uh, magic mouthwash, which is something that needs to be pulled up and delivered. So went ahead, did that, you go ahead and get it checked off and we make those deliveries as well. From there, we learned how, not we, I learned how to use the carousel. So probably one of the coolest thing in the pharmacy that I've been loving so far, and maybe the novelty will wear off, but I honestly love this thing so much is the carousel. So if you've ever worked in retail pharmacy or ever seen somebody in a retail pharmacy, go ahead and fill a drug or a prescription. They go grab the drug off the shelf and then come back. But in an inpatient pharmacy, they have this really cool, like gigantic machine. And it has all of the meds and all these different um, drawers and pockets and whatnot. And it's like a Ferris wheel in the sense that it rotates to bring the correct row to you. And on the tabletop, it'll point to which drawer, which pocket and the quantity that you want to pull out from there. And I have the best time doing this. I don't know what my deal is. I think maybe I'm just easily amused or something. But you go ahead, you take the scanner, you scan the back of the medication, you scan the label that prints out. You go ahead, you mark it off, put it in the bin to be checked off, and so on and so forth. Pretty straightforward, but again, I just think it's the best thing that's ever happened. From there, I helped to fill the loads. So basically, with from that machine, I was pulling all of the medications that needed to be taken to the Pixis machines. And so before they can be taken to the machines, they need to be checked off by the pharmacist to make sure that they're correct. So I was the one pulling the meds from the carousel, making sure that they were labeled appropriately so that the pharmacist could check it, and then we could go ahead and fill them into the machines themselves. So that was really great. Again, another opportunity to have some more hands-on experience again the breaks and the lunches are in here somewhere but uh, yeah not a problem at all it was really they've been really great about it oh and a lunch update there is a fridge and a microwave which of course there was going to be I guess Um, but yeah so I've upgraded from peanut butter and jelly sandwich to like this sausage rice broccoli vegetable medley thing it is so good I have that and like a couple of grapes on the side feeling good living good it's honestly, it's, it's amazing. I look forward to it every day. But yeah, back to what I was doing that day. I Then once the pharmacist checked that off, we go ahead and take all of the orders to the ICU and the ED to replenish the Pyxis machines. So again, just getting more familiar with those areas. Um, and then that takes a little while. So we then come back and then I just decided to help with filling the loads for like the later shifts um, when they go ahead and go to different areas as well to refill the Pixis machines. And so the way that it works is that the first floor departments drop in at like, I forgot what time, but they drop in first. And basically by the time you're done filling those orders, you also, the second and third floor orders drop in and then you just basically fill those. So that's what happened on um, Wednesday. Nothing too crazy. Again, kind of just helping out wherever, making deliveries whenever possible. Um, again just a hodgepodge but a really great opportunity to get more familiar with the hospital itself as well as what the pharmacy technicians roles are in the hospital and how they interact with the different medical teams because um, that is also a pretty key piece of communication or like part of the communication that takes place because the pharmacy technicians are physically there and if let's say someone on the team can't get in touch with pharmacy it's important that the information gets relayed back to the pharmacist there so again Just understanding how things work is truly like the basis of this rotation. And so again, any and every opportunity I get to see how it works, I'm grateful for. And with that, we are now on to Thursday. Alrighty so here we are Thursday and so Thursday and Friday are kind of fun days because I was on the afternoon shift and so never really worked that time frame before but it was also super weird just having some time in the morning to like not have anything going on and then also to go into work and come out when it's dark already but I'll get into that. So we're on day four it is Thursday July 2nd and I was working from 1300 to 2130. I was on the Z as a zebra shift which I also then worked on Friday as well. And basically once I showed up I pulled the narcotics for the first floor so all the controls are locked away. And then from there, we go ahead and deliver the loads to the Pixis machines in the ICUs and the EDs. We also delivered the oral syringes to labor and delivery. So that was really fun. There's pictures of babies everywhere. Uh, the pharmacy also replenishes the epidural tray. So every day it's swapped out. And so that's a really great opportunity to learn what is in an epidural. Granted, the anesthesiologist is the one who puts it together and administers it. But again, something I didn't think that pharmacy was in charge of. We also went to postpartum as well as the NICU, and oh my goodness, just so many babies everywhere. I love it. Then from there, we came back. We were able to restock the epidural tray um, in this really cool system called Intelligard. Basically, it's like what they call the oven. You put it in, it checks everything that's there, tells you what you're missing, and then the pharmacist also does a check themselves. So that's really cool. Got to figure out what drugs are used in that. From there, the ED pharmacist had brought back the RSI kits that they use in a code situations to be restocked. So we were able to go ahead and do that because that needs to be done at some point. And then we were able to deliver the rest of the loads that had been filled by the shift before us. So the shift I had done the day before, whatever they had packed away, we were now the ones to go deliver to the entire hospital. So we were everywhere. This hospital has telemetry, um, the med floor, the med surge floor. So if you're going to surgery, they have oncology. Um, They have all sorts of different areas. So we went to literally every single place in the hospital to talk about the ultimate tour. And from there, I was actually the one who was able to load everything. So I handled it all by myself, got to punch everything in, do the whole nine yards. A really great opportunity just to put into effect or put into works what I had already learned. And so, yeah, a really great opportunity. I never shy away from an opportunity to help out. And then from there, we were able to come back. And again, we're helping at the carousel and just filling orders that had been sitting um, there and that were immediately put in as well as put back returns. So if a med needs to be put back into the carousel, there's a whole process for that as well. And then later on, we also fill the loads for the rounds. And so basically, again, anything that needs to be taken, we go everywhere that needs to go. It's basically one last type of delivery before the night crew comes in. We also do the IV slappers. And so these are all of the medications that you literally slap a label on. Okay, not literally, but it's as easy as slapping a label on them. You don't need to like count out any certain number of pills or anything. So examples of that would be Keppra is already in a premix. There's albumin, Um, cefazolin is uh, compounded in the pharmacy. So there's already mini bags pre-made that you just slap the label on for the patient. Um, And these get delivered to places like the operating rooms, uh, certain outpatient clinics in the area. operating room prep rooms called the spa they need certain um, pre-mixed things the IV slappers and whatnot so that's really great just being able to see kind of what the different processes for that is as well and then we basically close out the night by helping fill the rest of the night load that needs to be checked off for the night crew. And the other cool thing that happens um, between like eight and nine o'clock is that the TPNs come in. So the total parental nutrition, the big bags come in. And so we were able to help receive those. But um, before they go for delivery, the pharmacist has to check them off. And so we got to make sure that Everything was looking good and good to go. And then the delivery occurs from the second half of the Z shift. So there's a Z2 shift and they're the ones who took care of that for the night. But yeah, a really cool experience just because, um, again, never worked a shift like this before and showing up when it's really bright outside and then leaving when it's really dark outside is really interesting. Not to mention we were doing our multiple rounds throughout the day. It's just so interesting when you look out into the courtyard and whatnot and you see it get darker and darker in the sun setting and whatnot. So really interesting experience it also gets a lot quieter in the hospital as you can imagine like all the patient doors are closed and everything it's like just much calmer and quieter so a really great experience and again just being able to test my knowledge making sure I knew where I was going making sure I was remembering how to do different things so a great day overall I think I'm probably going to say that about every day so maybe I'll try to cut out saying that so often We are now at Friday. Who doesn't love a Friday? This is day five of my rotations. It is July 3rd. I, again, like I've mentioned was on the Z shift from 1300 to 2100 and again, showed up, helped to fill the narcotics. But instead of working with the technician for the rest of the day, I needed to complete my IV compounding, the sterile compounding for the non-hazardous room. And so, yeah, basically gowned up, did the whole nine yards. Once again, I say nine yards a lot. But you know what? It just seems appropriate in these cases. And I walk into the room and I basically did the whole 20 needle change thing again. And this time, um, I was definitely much faster at it because I finally understood the process. And I'd done it once before. But I was also using the horizontal hood. As I mentioned, airflow is very important so that you're not blocking anything. And it's much more intuitive, in my opinion, the horizontal airflow. Um, So yeah it definitely went a lot faster so that was great went ahead finished that did my last um, auger fingertip test check and so hopefully those come out clear as well as the broth after that there was actually a meeting happening in the pharmacist office so all of the pharmacists were giving their input on the new insulin protocol so some updates were made to the previous one and one of the pharmacists was presenting what the previous protocol was why changes were being made and so now what the new insulin protocol is what it is now and so I thought that was really interesting because I think often we do these presentations or have these projects that we do during rotations and we think oh, okay we do it because it's a learning opportunity for us but it just goes to show like being able to sit in this meeting that even later down the line when we are pharmacists our input is valuable and we do have the opportunity to present and to talk to others and that our ideas are necessary and there weren't like the hospital needs to hear our input. And so that was really great, just being able to sit in on this and realize that. And in this particular presentation, it was great because they use specific patient cases. So it was great to be able to attach an idea to an actual patient, and then also being able to just follow along with the conversation was really great. It was a great feeling understanding everything because I think a lot of us feel like once we get um, out of pharmacy school, we're like, "Oh, do we learn anything? Like, am I gonna remember all of this? Like, do I even know what's happening?" And the truth is, yes, yes, you do. It may not feel like it, um, but you. you have these opportunities and I think that's where it really comes to light that you definitely learn something maybe it's not everything right now in this moment but what would rotations be if you already knew all the answers right so just a little bit of a win I'm going to take that in the w column so a great opportunity love being able to follow along really great things being talked about um And from there, I was actually able to, that lasted about like an hour and a half, two hours, I want to say. It was a really great conversation. Also, just hearing other pharmacists' input, I thought great questions were being asked. Um, Just because there's so much critical thinking that has to go into making sure that you're optimizing care for patients, which, love that. After that, I went ahead and I talked to my preceptor about my midpoint project as well as my final project, and I ended up getting two midpoint projects, so one having to do with med safety and just gathering a list of what IV meds are available in the med rooms, and my other midpoint project is a PNT, so pharmacy and therapeutics, writing a written proposal for adding one of the drugs to their formulary. So really great opportunity at UCSF or I think most pharmacy schools, you can participate in the PNT competition. I've actually never done it before and UCSF won this year. So woohoo to that. But again, never participated before, but I've always known what it is and I'm really glad I get this opportunity to help pitch this drug. So I think that'll be really exciting. I uh, worked on it this weekend and I'll go ahead and I have like a week and a half left, but I just really want to get a jump start on it for some reason. We then also talked about my final project and something we're thinking that's in the works is the way certain COVID medications um, are impacting the inflammatory cascade. So we'll see if that ends up being the final project idea. Of course, this podcast is weekly, so we'll know in due time. From there, I went back to helping out with um, all the tech duties and whatnot. So back to the IV slappers, making sure that they all had labels and whatnot, as well as their ancillary labels. Never forget your ancillary labels. Those are, you know, the little hazardous ones or note dosage strength or for oral use, all of those different ones. Very, very important. I then again helped out at the carousel. You know me, love the carousel, pulling some stat orders. And then by that time, we were basically at the end of the day. But some things that were really cool I got to wrap up with were seeing the way that the pharmacists do tabletop compounding. So these are non-IV room um, compounds. And it's basically just injecting the medication into the mini bag, but it doesn't need to be in a sterile environment. Um, And then I was also taught how to check off TPNs by the pharmacist, which was really great. And so something she and I had talked about, and I thought it sparked great conversation was... Okay, as a pharmacist, yes, you can check off the TPN, but more importantly, what do you do if it's not correct? What if the, just a little bit background, TPNs are outsourced, so they're delivered to the pharmacy, they're not made in the pharmacy. What if they got the wrong mix of electrolytes or dextrose or the amino acids? What do you do in those circumstances? And I think that's such a great point. Like, it's one thing to be able to check off, oh, yes, they match, but it's another thing, what are you going to do in the case that something's wrong? had great conversation about that of course that's on a patient to patient basis it's case specific um, but again you never really know even though i wasn't working with the pharmacist that day like what was going to come up but again um, in both circumstances, actually, with the tabletop compounding and with the TPNs, I actually asked questions about it. And they're like, oh, actually, how about you just come with me and I'll show you. So, again, it doesn't hurt to ask. You're a student. You're a learner. Definitely take advantage of that status and ask questions because people are more than happy. Again, that might be a generalization, but more often than not, people tend to be quite OK with showing you certain things. So if there's ever anything you want to know more about or something that you're interested in and you're not supposed to be doing something else, I highly recommend shooting your shot and figuring that whole thing out and getting that opportunity because you get out of a situation what you put into it. So yeah, and that basically wrapped up my night. I went home, I got chicken nuggets at McDonald's, which I haven't had in so long, but oh my god, they're so good. And it brought me to my weekend. So basically, I'm now at my weekend, I'm recording this podcast, I've slept a lot, and I'm not mad about it. And I'm feeling better, I'm feeling more well rested. And I'm really excited for this next week to come. Basically, I spent this weekend starting my projects, um, recording this podcast, caught up on laundry, don't forget to do your laundry, Uh, Tried to take some time outside just to get a little bit of vitamin D since I've been in fluorescent lit hallways for the entire week. Um, Then I also wanted to start prepping for waking up at 6am because this entire week I'll be up at 6am, but stay tuned until next week to see how that goes and if I survive. And then I also have my first pharmacy shift on Wednesday. So kind of just reviewing some things that I've been seeing in the pharmacy, like drugs that have been popping up a lot, making sure I understand how they work, certain, all the different side effects, whatnot, understanding the therapeutics behind um, certain disease states that seem to be pretty prevalent. Uh, But yeah, basically doing anything I can to recharge and prepare um, yeah. So that I think just about sums it up. I hope that this was kind of interesting. I realized that this is probably the first really pharmacy intensive episode. And so I hope this gives those of you who are interested in what hospital operations is a better idea as to what the day-to-day looks like and kind of your responsibilities. Um, Again, I had like almost no idea what it was going into. it. I just knew the IV room was somehow involved. But hopefully throughout this process of me sharing about it, it can become a lot clearer. But yeah, I just want to say if you made it to this point, thank you so much. I truly appreciate it. If you've been listening to the other episodes, your support means the absolute world to me. And I hope that this has been beneficial in one way or another. And yeah, so I hope you and your loved ones continue to stay safe and healthy and wear a mask. And I will talk to you all next week. Bye.